You can't. For the folks watching on YouTube, can you smell? Can you, can you smell that? Can you smell that, folks? It is NFL season. No more hot takes. No more, oh, what's going to happen? We have games to talk about. And no, we do not talk in preview preseason on this podcast. We have legitimate regular season games to talk about. Big rats here, obviously, because the Patriots play the Dolphins on Sunday. But I have, as you folks know, you see the ticker down below. I've been using graphics more lately. And for every single video, you're going to get impressive graphics. I'm not even going to cut to the chase here on episode 178. You're going to be getting this right here. You see the teams, you see the spread, and you see the over-under. Why? Because for as much as we love the game, we love to gamble on the game. But Big Rat, how are we doing today? Football League is here. We're back, baby. We can go from having um, ridiculous off-season hot takes to ridiculous week one hot takes. Because surely, after this weekend, with one week of sample size, we're going to start swaying in all kinds of different directions. You know, some some random team is going to get blown out, and we're going to like take more from it than we should. One, my favorite example of this, 2016, week one, the Falcons at home, at home, lost to the Bucks like handedly, at home. Oh, I remember that. And the Falcons went on to the Super Bowl. And, you know, was they were the closest non-Super Bowl winner in Super Bowl history. And they got blown out at home in week one uh, by a division opponent. So that doesn't always say everything, but I'm excited for the reactions that we're going to give. In the same year, two week one, I remember Green Bay had a really close call with the Jacksonville Jaguars that year as well, week one. So very, very, very interesting to go. And before we start, um, look, just quickly, uh, we're talking about it last week, last time you were on with Greg, uh, but Dawson Knox got locked up to a deal. I think it's a very team-friendly deal. Four years, I think $56 million, 31 guaranteed, third, about 13 a year. He came in under David Njoku, which is really impressive for Brandon Bean to do, but yeah, Dawson Knox four years in uh, four four years in Buffalo starting next season. Yeah, and I think uh, it would have been interesting. To, uh, I, I presume Greg would agree, but I would like to ask him this. You know, Buffalo because of their difficulty in attracting free agents, unless they overpay, um, in which case you know money talks for anybody. But I think it's important to lock up guys who've been part of the core. And he explained to us very nicely how Brandon Bean has maneuvered the cap very well, and they keep resigning a lot of their own guys that have been part of this roster for a long time. And they have a lot of continuity. That's why everyone loves them so much. So I think it's a good deal. He's apparently really tight with Josh Allen. It's not like you're going to do better. Like maybe you can wait in the offseason and hope you get Kaseki. But if the Dolphins don't keep him, he's going to be on the open market. And you're probably going to have to pay more. Not, not probably. You will pay more for him than you just paid for Dawson Knox. So not a bad deal. It looks like a lot of money now, but in the long run, it won't be considering that, hey, he would be willing to take that hometown discount. Also, too, just after everything Dawson's been through this offseason, it's really good for him as well just to see, hey, look, hard work pays off. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But with the talk with Buffalo, look, it's the first game we get to talk about. Rams at Bills. It's not me looking at my phone. By the way, though, all these odds are courtesy of Scorebet. But we have the Bills at minus 2.5 with a 51 over under. I'm going to say this right now with the game. I don't know. I get the Buffalo's the hot team. They're that, look, Super Bowl winner bust. I just don't understand why Vegas is fading the Super Bowl champions from last season. Yeah, I think it's disrespectful. Like, it's almost like a courtesy, you know? Yeah. Like, at best, like, maybe make maybe make it a pick. Maybe make the Rams a one-point favorite, you know? But it's a courtesy. Like, you give the champ the points at home. Like, the Super Bowl champ at home has historically done excellent over the last decade, you know, like – the Cowboys beat the Giants the year after the Giants won the Super Bowl. I remember yes. that. But the, the Giants beat the were, Patriots. And the Chiefs beat the Patriots, yes. But the 
the the Giants example in particular, the Giants were, you know, that that team that they defended their title, they were not a playoff team. And I don't think anyone would say that about this Rams team, at least as of right now. So for that reason alone, I don't think they should be given that fade. And yeah, the Patriots one was the was the like the unique outlier, so to speak. But then every other year, I mean, the Eagles won, the Patriots won, the Chiefs won, the Bucks won. They a nail biter, but they still won nonetheless. You know, you give it to the champs out of respect. Like obviously every betting analyst worth his salt is gonna tell everyone to take the Rams and take the plus two and a half because the Buffalo love is just getting a little bit out of control. Just remember, everyone, this team lost six games last year. Six. Greg was on the show explaining how they didn't take care of business a lot early in the season. Like, this is one of their hardest games in their schedule. They're not going to go 17-0. and Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I'm going to say this so quickly. Over, under, take the over. Don't don't look back. Just take it. Go ahead. This is going to be like a 28-24 game easily. I could see that happening, like somewhere in that score realm, even 31-27, to for example. Uh, I'm still going to go with the Rams. I know it sounds like Buffalo hate, but I just think for Buffalo, if I'm going to say this right now, this might sound like, oh, you just hate them because you're past fan. No. But then, you know what, maybe if getting a loss early in the season is what can be the catalyst. Because remember, too, the Bills lost last year to the Steelers in their opener. Yeah. Remember that, too. And also, too, last year, I want to say Cowboys plus six and a half was one of the best bets I made last year opening night. I did plus six and a half on the Dallas Cowboys, and they covered. Um but with this game right here, I just look at it. And I'm like, don't – it's hard to fade the home team. I know the Rams, like, there's probably going to be a lot of Buffalo fans there. A lot of Bills Mafia will probably be in L.A. I've seen the reports about all the beer that's got brought in and stuff. It's just when it comes to this, I just can't go against the champs. I think they're going to have that banner night. I think everyone's – it's just, like you said, there's all that Buffalo love. I don't know if you saw the NFL Network stuff where it was like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, everyone has the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl. I'm just yeah. like – if I'm, that's why I was cautioning Bills Mafia in our AFC preview because I'm saying, look, don't expect it to be all sunshine and rainbows. One, and you've said this numerous times. When has Tom Brady made the Super Bowl? It's always been the years people count him out. So I'm just saying that right now. Sometimes you know what the favorite wins, but all the time, just remember this, guys. It's a little tough to get to the top of the mountain, and any sport that is. Yeah, it's too much. Like I saw USA Today, I think, or Newsweek, I forget which, one of those publications, they had five writers give their playoff previews, and four of the five had the Bills winning the Super Bowl. And it's like this this unanimity is, like, really weird to me. You know, like, it seems like because the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill and because the Packers lost Devontae Adams and I, and because Von Miller went from the Rams to the Bills, because of those three things, everyone just presumes the Bills are clearly better than everyone else. I think they're favored in every game this year or close to it. Maybe they might, maybe there's like one or two exceptions where they're not, but I'm pretty sure they're favored in almost every single game. Slow down. Slow down. So, yeah, I'm yep. with you. Rams, points, over. Should be a fun game. On to the next one. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And um, quick little props I like for tomorrow night. I like Gabriel Davis touchdown, and I like uh, Allen Robinson touchdown as well for tomorrow night's game. I think I've said this both guys I think are going to do well. I even said I think Allen Robinson's going to get – if you have him in your fantasy team, he's going to do really good for you this year because I think he'll take a lot of targets away from Cooper Cup, who I feel like will be double double covered a lot this year. Yeah, and also when Odell Beckham was in there, Odell Beckham I think had seven touchdowns. Like in the red zone, they just went to – Stafford just goes to Beckham like on fades, on corner routes, on slant routes. You know, Allen Robinson, obviously a bigger body receiver. You can just imagine it's, – it's very easy to see Allen Robinson having 10 touchdowns minimum this year. So betting him to score a touchdown any given week, probably a good bet. Exactly. And now the next one, and by the way, folks, for all the odds, it's the odds for the away team. So bitch, just letting you know, so whenever you see it. So like this game, Detroit versus Philadelphia, Detroit's first sellout since 2019, which I don't really know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. 
but over under 46, Philadelphia minus four and a half. I know Detroit's getting a lot of fanfare and love. I think this is a potential trap that people are doing to where they think Detroit can come in and win. I think they can make it tough, but give me Philadelphia and give me the points. That's all I'm going to say about that. As for that over under right there, somewhere in that region, like, like I don't, I can't see this being a crazy high scoring game, but then again, Philadelphia ran them out of the building last year. And that was with, I'd say not a worse Eagles team, but this is a much better Eagles team this year than last year. At least expectations have it that way. Yeah. I would say, it seems like they're the better team. I said this in the last show, you know, the Eagles D-line, I think everyone thinks their D-line is like elite. And when I was looking up those Dolphin sack numbers before our show with Greg, um, Eagles 31st in the NFL in sacks last year. And I know sacks are not everything. I, I'm not stupid. I understand it's more about pressure rate than it is about sacks. Totally understand. That was like any idiot that defends the Dolphins' offensive line because they didn't give up a lot of sacks. Yes, because Tua got rid of the ball very quickly. They, by far, led the league in number of pressures allowed last year. That's how you know they were the worst offensive line in football. So I understand it's pressures, not sacks. But I feel like if you were truly an elite D-line, even if there's variance, it wouldn't be to 31st. I think that's yeah. a little a little too extreme in the other direction. So, But, yeah, I mean, I think – I think I in general, I think Detroit's just gotten a little too much love in the offseason. They're the offseason darling. They're the hard knocks team. I, I see this all the time. We see this all the time in football. Like the team that was terrible the year before, but they like had a smart rebuild and people like the draft picks they made. They like the coach. They like the GM. So they kind of predict too much too soon. And like, you know, you have a lot of people, like not, not as many people picking them in the playoffs, but you do have a lot of people thinking the Lions are going to go over their win total. They're going to win seven games, eight games. And I don't know. I think, you know, like we said with Greg last week, you need some bad teams in the NFL, and I just think their secondary is not there yet. So I think the Eagles will win. I think we'll be closer than it was last year. But, yeah, I think points, and I'll take the under. Uh, just because I think, uh, you know, it's very possible the Eagles control things through the ground. And it's also possible the Lions um, maybe don't get hit the ground running offensively at least. So, yeah, we'll see. Eagles and under is my choice. Give me 14 to 17 Eagles win. Uh, 24, to, 24 to 17, excuse me, Eagles win. Um, we're, we're dialing it through folks. Next one up, Houston versus Indianapolis, Indy seven point favorite 46 over under. Um, but actually before we get to that, I'm just going to take a quick side note. My ADD brain, Anthony. actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm saving that for the end of the show. It's a question I'm going to save for the end of the show. But for this one right here, I think Indy's the same things. I feel like everyone's expecting that weird Davis Mills second year leap. I just, I still don't see it. I think I know him and Brandon cooks are good, but like, I don't look at Davis Mills as like, you know what? 10 15 year starter for the Houston Texans. I look at for it as a bridge guy. I still expect the Texans to be that like top 10 in the draft team next year, even though they do have Cleveland's pick as well. That being said, though, I can see this game being closer, but at the same time, too, I feel like it's that hey, they could be close, but at the same time, too, I think it's going to go either that or Indy's going to blow the doors off of them. Yeah, that's what people seem to say closer or Indy's going to blow the doors off of them. On principle, I'm going to take the Texans plus seven because. It's one of my rules, like in betting generally, and in, and in Survivor Leagues. Mm -hmm. If you remember last year, the Jags played the Texans in yes. week one. And, ev God, like everyone was saying the Texans were so horrible. They're going to go 0-17. And this drives me insane because this happens often. It happened with my Dolphins in 2019. It happened with the Jets in 2017. It happened with the Raiders in 2013. Fact check me on – and anyone listening, fact check me on all four of those teams. You'll see the same thing was said about all those teams. And it never happens that that team is never as bad as people think people forget. And then a few years from now, there's going to be another rebuilding team or it's going to do the same shit all over again with them. So Houston last year, everyone thought was horrible. And they, the Jags were favored in Houston in week one, which was asinine 
and then the Houston won and covered easily. So, and I gave that out as a Survivor League pick on the show, which I'm I think excellent. I did too, an excellent Survivor League choice. Uh, I'm not going to go Survivor League here, but the home division team laying a lot of points, especially if it's a touchdown or more, is usually my rule of thumb to take the points. Now, if the Texans were favored by four, maybe I would take the Colts here, but seven I think is a lot. So I'm going to predict the Colts to win, but I'll take Houston on the points just because home division teams, you, and especially it's week one, teams don't really know each other yet. You know, but Matt Ryan's still new to that offense. So I'll take the, the points with Houston. Yeah, you know what? I like that too. I think the, the Colts get the win, but it's one of those wins where it's kind of like oh, they struggled with them. But then even look yeah. last year too, like perfect example because it's involving my team. The Patriots barely scraped by the Houston Texans last year. Davis Mills, that was like his coming out party. Also, there's other games, too, like where he just walked the Titans, beat the Chargers. Houston's going to be that team that they win those unexpected games this year. Like, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm just saying, like, like, they have a ceiling of, like, four or five wins. I think that's what I said on our AFC preview show. But with this yeah. game right here, though, like I said, I have a similar thing as you where I look at it. And I'm like, you know what? You're giving the away team a little bit too, too much credit. So I'll take the points for the Texans, but I'll take the Colts to win. It's like looking at it from a smart, logical perspective. So folks, like Big Rat said – don't take the Texans in your survival week one. But if you're in a spread pool like I am, I'm going to take Houston plus seven. Sounds good. And now I think this is a game that I think everyone thinks is a lock on the spread. But Carolina versus Cleveland with Cleveland obviously being a dog and then that over under at 42. I want to ask you this before we go into anything else. Do we think we get Baker Mayfield like Oklahoma? Like, you know, putting the basically disrespecting the um, the Ohio State logo at the shoe, or do we get a close, boring football game that Carolina somehow wins? I would say close and boring um, just because I, I do think Carolina's going to win. This is my Survivor League choice this year. Um, I know it's, it's risky, it's ballsy, but as everyone knows on the show, I'm not a Jacoby fan. I think Jacoby's being overrated nationally. I think the Browns are going to lose a lot of games while he's in there. I don't think he's going to keep them afloat before Watson comes back. And with uh, Jacoby, I think the Panthers have the quarterback advantage in this game. Yep. And the defense is really, 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 really good in Carolina. So, in my opinion, I think Carolina got it, got the point. The, the only thing with that, though, is, is the fact that Carolina's offensive line is so bad and Cleveland has one of the best defenders in the NFL on their D-line. So, that's a very intriguing storyline as well to see how guys like Iki Aquanu, Austin Corbett come in and do for that Panthers D-line. I do like the pick. I'm going to save what I think is a good survival pick for week one of a team that's kind of unexpected, kind of, you know, out there, a team that some people are going to be shocked that I take considering what I've said about certain individuals. By the way, I may have given it away there, but if it didn't, stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm going to vamp because I don't know what's going on with Big Rat at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. So, yeah, like I said, I'm going to vamp for a little bit. Uh, he is cutting out, so I'm just going to keep going on about this, folks. Look. Carolina versus Cleveland. Uh, I'm going to look at it from this way. I like Carolina to cover, but if you're asking me about the over-under, this reeks of like a 20 to 17 game or like a 17 to 14 kind of game. You know, nothing where it's like overly crazy, but then overly like flash. I think this is just, eh, it's a football game. It happened. Nothing spectacular is going to happen. I feel like the national media is getting a lot of people to buy into certain hypes and certain factors when it comes to certain things. So for the time being, I'm just going to stick to it and take what I think is the logical pick. I'm going to take Carolina versus Cleveland 
I'm going to take the Panthers to win money line. I'm going to take the Panthers to cover the spread, but I'm going to take the under in 42 points. Now, I know I do my famous TikTok videos every Sunday, which will start tomorrow night with Rams and Bills. If you're listening to this on Thursday, that's tonight. I'm recording this on Wednesday night. But with the games, when I say all the gambling advice, I'm only doing it for two reasons. One, because instead of me looking at my phone being like, yeah, so this team's this, this team's that, I have it all right here for you guys. And then the other reason for it as well is so you guys know as well, because as gambling grows and grows and grows throughout the United States, Canada, and the rest of the world, you can bet responsibly and you can bet more smarter. I was about to say smartly. It's been a long day for me, folks. I've been up since like six this morning. Um, But that's the other thing too. Like I said before, you just got to think about it. And also guys, remember too, we always preach this on the show, gamble responsibly as Big Rat comes back. I just basically said Carolina money line, Carolina spread under 42 points. Yeah, agree with all that. And I think Cleveland, like I said, Carol, it's going to be a defensive battle. And just remember, I think it was John Johnson who said, yes, Baker has familiarity with our defense, but we have familiarity with him. There's 11 of us and one of him, which is why I think, even though I buy into the revenge narrative as much as anyone, I think the Ohio State thing is maybe going to be hard because the defense will know how to deal with his tendencies a little bit. So I'm expecting more of a 24 to 20 Carolina win, maybe 20 to 17, something like that. And also, too, uh, yeah, I completely agree with all that. My thing I was saying, I don't know if you heard it or not, was the whole Cleveland's defensive line against Carolina's offensive line, because we all know Carolina's offensive line was horrible last year. But they do have a quantum, they do have Austin Corbett, so we'll see where that goes. Agreed. Um, Have you ever heard the expression in life, just don't think about it twice, just go with it? Because that's what I'm going to do with this next spread. San Francisco minus seven and a half. Minus minus seven, excuse me. That's, That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying about this game. I... I know the Bears are that team where it's like, hey, yeah, they could be sneaky good. No, I just think so. this is a game where the people who buy into Trey Lance are going to get their moment in the sun. Yeah, and I, it's a shame. I really wanted to take the Bears on the spread, not on the result, obviously, like San Francisco all the way. I really wanted to um, kind of, you know, like early season, you know, like betting against Trey Lance before he's fully comfortable in the offense. But I just think the San Francisco defense is too good. And I think the Bears' offense is too limited. Like, I think, you know, in an ideal world, you could totally see the Bears' defense of a few years ago, you know, maybe help the Bears, like, grind out a slow game where they either win or at least cover. But I think they – San Fran offense is really good. The Bears' defense is limited. And I think as a result – I mean, the San Fran defense is really good. The Bears' offense is limited. So I think it's just going to be hard for the Bears to score in this one, you know, I, they just didn't give Fields a lot of help, and this is a really hard test. Maybe if the Bears were playing the Lions, you know, maybe if they were even playing the Vikings, if they were playing another team, I could kind of see it, but I just think it's a tough matchup. So, San Fran. I'm the same way, too. Like, um, I'm for score, I'm going to say San Fran 20 to 10. I think, you know what, there's going to be some drives where Trey Lance has his moments. I think you see a couple Bears picks here and there, but I just, I can't, I can see, like, like it's basically like we were saying before. San Francisco offense is kind of new, so it's kind of unfamiliar. And then Chicago, it's it's Chicago. Like I said, and that's my big thing this year, too, for fantasy folks with DFS, David Montgomery. That's my guy. Yep. I think he's going to get a lot of carries this year. He was a late-round pick, so if you went 0-RB like I did in a couple of drafts, he's worth it. Um, so, obviously, today we got the news of Zach Wilson, probably not out till at yep. least week four. I don't think they're going to win, but call me crazy. I think that I, have, I just have a feeling that the, the this is a spread that the Jets can cover. I, I don't know what it is. I know the Ravens have a lot of hype. And those little Lamar contract situation, I just there's some there's something inside me saying 
Jets cover here. There's a little bit of magic in Flacco playing the Ravens, right? Like even even though obviously this is a very different roster than what Flacco played with uh, back when he was the starter in in Baltimore. Like I don't know how many guys in that defense were there when he was there. Maybe there's a few like that are not immediately coming to mind. Uh, Mar- Marlon Humphrey, I guess, but not yeah. sure about anyone else. Uh, but yeah, the, I get it because it is on the road. You know, the Jets can be feisty. Uh, Flacco. You know, Danny may not want to hear this, but there's a lot of evidence that suggests he's better than Zach Wilson right now. Not saying forever, just right now. So from that perspective, it kind of gives the Jets a better chance. And I, I, Joe Flacco's start came against my Dolphins, and he played pretty well that game. Now, what happened was the Dolphins were blitzing very aggressively, and Joe Flacco, because of his veteran instincts, was like savvy enough to get rid of the ball quickly, and it worked. And Elijah Moore roasted Byron Jones for like a 60-yard touchdown in that game. It was like maybe Elijah Moore's best game of the year. Was so pick six as well for the Jets. There was there. Oh no, that was that was the that was the rematch. That was the rematch in Miami. Okay. When Hunter Long ran a, ran the wrong route and then Tua airmailed the throw. It was a total duck in the air, and then the Jets took it back for a touchdown. That was like that the, random tangent, but that was like the Jets' first defensive touchdown all year or something crazy like that. They had not scored a touchdown on defense until that play, which was in Week 15. And so in any event, this game, you think Flacco would give them a chance. I agree. I think the Ravens, this is a good test for their defense improvement under McDonald, which we don't need to get into. We talked about it on the last show. But Wink Martindale would blitz Flacco a lot in this game. And as my Brian Flores tried to do for my Dolphins, that didn't work out very well. You know, it's not like the Jets lit us up, but Flacco played fine, you know, whereas you can get Flacco to play bad if you play better defense. So I think the old Wink would have done that. Now with McDonald's, We'll see how often they blitz. Maybe they get a more traditional defense in there. And then maybe the talent of the Ravens defense, which has all their starters back, now can actually do better than they would have with a blitz-happy approach in this specific matchup. So I think the Jets can keep it close. Seven is a lot of points. I, I don't think I'd touch that for Baltimore. I think it's Jets or pass. Um, I would take Baltimore to win outright. But, yeah, I, I like the move. Jets or pass. Yeah, I'm the same way, but I, I, like this is a game I look at. I just don't want to bet just because it's that weird feeling. It's that game where I'd rather be mad that I didn't bet it than happy yeah. that I did or mad that I did and the result I didn't want to have happen happen. But, yeah, the Mike McDonald thing is always just intriguing because, like you said, yeah, Wick Martindale will just throw everything at you and just be like, okay, yeah, try to get the ball out as quickly as you can, and now you go. Meanwhile, the Mike McDonald defense, a little more conservative, a little more pass rush aggressive, which we saw last year when he had just had a one-two punch, which guess who one of his rookie pass rushers is in Baltimore? David Ajabo. Yeah. Is he playing in this game? I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't seen their injury report, but I am excited to see guys like even how Kyle Hamilton does. Um, I know for uh, one of my takes earlier on in the podcast, you remember this is the loss of Marshall Yonda for the Raiders. I'm excited to see. I don't know if he's their starting center, but I, I, what Tyler Linderbaum looks like on this line to yeah. him, I Kevin Zeitler, Ronnie Stanley back. Yep. Like Baltimore's a very complete football team. I know they get a little flack as the whole Lamar not throwing thing, but at the same time too, I think this is a Baltimore team that they're going to kind of come out and show people, hey, look, the Baltimore of old is back. Now, I'm not saying 2019 Baltimore, but like 2020. Yeah. And also, uh, another last argument for the Jets on the spread, uh, no, no J.K. Dobbins in this game, most likely. Like, Lamar, yeah. I know it was, it was like, middle ground. We weren't sure, but Lamar said today he's hoping J.K. is back in a few weeks, which was kind of a tell that he's probably not going to play this Sunday. So, that's good for the Jets. You know, waiver, pick, pick up, go get Gus Edwards. Um, yep. Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh. Um, I look at this the same way as I look at Chicago because we know that even when Cincinnati was bad in 2020, remember they ran Pittsburgh out of the building when Pittsburgh won the AFC North. So I'm just, I'm also going to say this too. I like Mitch. I think 
I think Mitch Trubisky's going to do better in Pittsburgh than people give him credit for. I think mm-hmm. he's got a clean slate. I, I, I'm not here saying he's going to win MVP or anything. I think he's just he's going to steal a couple games for Pittsburgh. But I think basically, you know how they say you have a puncher's chance at winning. Yeah. I think Pittsburgh's in the similar limelight. Now I'm not saying backstage throw chairs and bite people chance, but um, for those of you wrestling fans out there, hopefully you get the reference. Um, but I'm still going Cincinnati just because I think it's going to be that, you know what, hey, Joe Burrow's back, Joe Scheiss, in the building, all this stuff. And like I said, too, for some reason, Cincinnati's had Pittsburgh's number, just like the matchup we'll get into featuring the two of us later. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of agree. Like, last year, I took Pittsburgh a lot when they were, like, less than a touchdown dog against, like, a, a solid team. And it, play, it, it often paid off. Like, they were underdogs at Cleveland. They won the game outright. They were underdogs – I believe in both Ravens games and they won both games outright. And it's kind of like the, the quote unquote Tomlin spot, like where Tomlin yeah. can raise their floor. Now the only game where that didn't work is they were like a touchdown underdog at Cincinnati and they got wiped off the face of the earth. They got destroyed and I'm still a little scarred from that game. So this is going to be kind of like, you can kind of get, it wouldn't shock you at all if it was like Steelers bills last year where, yeah, like a pump, a pump block, a pick six, you know, and Pittsburgh steals it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But much like what you said last game about like, you know, like I, I don't mind not betting. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like, show me. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, okay, I, I could see the case, Pittsburgh. Show me. I'm not going to bet on you. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Fine. I need to wipe off the memory of both Bengals games last year that I'm still scarred by. So go ahead. Like, do your best. Because the Pittsburgh can be very feisty in this game and still lose by a touchdown. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right on on Bengals. Um, I'm I'm not skipping over our game, but I'm really excited to see what Pittsburgh and New England is next week. That's a game I really had my eye on, just because those are two teams that look used to, were at one point the echelon of the top tier class of the AFC. They're not anymore, so it's gonna be exciting to see what both teams are at. So something I just wanted to add in quickly, but. I give Pittsburgh a chance, but at the end of the day, I'm just gonna go with the team that was just in the Super Bowl too. That's all. And like I said, when you have divisional teams who have their number, it's there. And then from a gambling perspective. I'm not, I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do it because divisional games are such a toss-up when it comes to that. Yep, agree. This isn't my, like, big survival pick I want to make, but this is a survival pick I think some people should make, and that's Jacksonville. This is an underdog spread I love. I know a lot of – it's been getting a lot of national attention where people are being like, if you want to pick an underdog, take Jacksonville two and a half. When I look at this, I'm like – I think this could be the like on a non-gambling note, this could be the true Trevor Lawrence coming out party. You know, he's got Travis Etienne, he's got Christian Kirk. We'll see what he can do. Evan Ingram. I know Evan Ingram's got a lot of flack from the day as the Giants with all the drops and stuff like that. But I think this is a game where Doug Peterson and also to remember this as well. Like, you know, how we say Joe Flacco knows the Ravens. Yeah. Doug Peterson knows, knows Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the spot a lot. Uh I, it, to me, it's a coin flip game, and obviously, if you're picking them to cover two and a half, like that basically means you think they can win outright, because um, it's very unlikely that they'll lose but still cover the spread. It's possible, but unlikely. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, the Jaguars have had the number one overall pick back to back years, which is pretty hard to do. You know, so they have a they do have a lot of work to do. But I do think Kirk and Etienne will make a big difference because I think Matt Harmon on reception perception for fantasy heads who follow him from Yahoo. He charts how often receivers get open separate from quarterback play. So it doesn't matter if the quarterback throws an accurate ball or not. All he's tracking is how often did it get open against man coverage and zone coverage and press. 
And his analysis showed that none of the Jaguars receivers last year were getting open. None. Like Marvin Jones was kind of on the back end of his career a little bit. Chark was inconsistent before he got hurt. LaVisca was not getting open. So his argument was, you know, separate from the Urban Meyer thing, that's a big part of the reason why the Jaguars offense was so bad. And so if you think Christian Kirk can separate, if you think Travis Etienne can provide an outlet out of the backfield and ETN, unlike other running backs, ETN can actually like run some routes. Like he can run wheel routes, digs, like he can do a little, a few little things, you know, outside as, as an out wide running back running routes. So I do think that should produce a difference. Um, so yeah, I think it can go either way. And I think there's nothing wrong with taking the home team. If I had to lean, I would lean Jacksonville. So I think it's reasonable. Same here. Same here. I just think, Look, Washington is a team. They don't have like a whole lot going for them. We know, obviously, the Brian Robinson situation, which is horrible. We wish him the best, and he gets back on the field yeah. soon. Absolutely. But like when you look at it, it seems like Gibson's in a doghouse, and he's really gone down over the last couple of years, yeah. ever since like his big breakout year and then his sophomore year. Uh, when you look at the receivers, sure they have Terry McLaurin, but like with Washington too, it's a new quarterback, it's a new system. And when it comes to both guys, if you told me, hey, pick the better quarterback, I'm gonna go Trevor Lawrence because I think. Yeah. Finally, Trevor Lawrence is going to be confident, and it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, that Monday morning overreaction. So say if Jacksonville goes out there, beats him by, like, two touchdowns. Everyone's yeah. going to be like that Monday morning overreaction. Now oh, the Jaguars good. The Jaguars this. The Jaguars that. It's that whole, you know, when you sit on the top, that Monday morning, like, guys, take take a breather. Take a breather at the water cooler. That could be Jacksonville. Yeah, you can get – especially if the Colts were to get upset by the Texans – and the Jags win this game, you could see all the hot takes about, oh, can the Jaguars win this division? Like, And I'm, I'm, I'm sure they can. It's just that we're going to react a little too aggressively to that sentiment. So, And guess who plays who week two? Jaguars and Colts, right? Correct. Um, I have another potential dog for you, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I'm not saying go and pick them to win. The Saints have relatively – sorry, Dad. Sorry, Matt. For some reason, the Saints struggle a bit with the Falcons. And I think the Falcons are that, like, the same thing, too, to where if they can keep this to be a competitive game, I think everyone's going to be like, oh, are the Falcons not as bad as we thought? The Falcons are good. They're this. But then in reality, the Falcons are probably going to be a three- or four-win team. I just think hard parts, I'm still going to go with the Saints in this game. I think the Saints are the better team. I'm just saying the Falcons are going to give them fits just because, look, Divisional opponents know each other, and also, too, with the first game of Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston back from the ACL. But at the end of the day, I just see it being – I see the Saints being the Saints, and like I said in the NFC preview show with Matt, I see them being back in the playoff picture. I agree, but I'm taking I'm taking the Saints to win. I'm taking the Falcons and the points, though, uh, kind of like what I oh, said about same. Houston. Yeah, yeah, the home – this game's in Atlanta. So yes. it's the, the, home, the home division game where the home team is – laying is taking a lot of points so i think that's usually just a very safe bet in football generally this is by the way this is very profitable like in november and december when like the it's very common like the afc one seed will go into the four seeds house they'll be like 10 and a half point favorites and they'll win by less than a touchdown it happens all the time and this is not as extreme but you can very easily see the saints winning by like a field goal or some shit like that so i i uh I think the Falcons, the Falcons beat the Saints in New Orleans last year, and they lost in Week Seventeen, in Week Eighteen. But I believe they covered this number. Now that was with Matt Ryan, but still, uh, I think Falcons, the Falcons are going to get up for this game. You know, the Falcons aren't going to go zero seventeen. They're going to have to win some games, and I'm not saying they're going to win this one, but their home division games are usually a good bet for the games you should pick them to be very competitive in. So, yeah, Saints win, Falcons cover. 
Can I also ask you another question about the NFC South quickly? Sure. Do you buy some of the hype that people think that Carolina can be a competitive football team? I just think that, like, I could see the argument for sure. It's just that we've been doing this long enough when there's so much smoke about a coach getting fired. Like, it's just really hard to overcome that. You know, I could see it being a case where the Panthers are like five and five at week 10, and then they lose out to go five and 12 or something. Cause that's kind of what's happened under Matt rule. They're usually around 500. And then they just last year. Yeah. And and even, even, even at mid season, they were like five and six. And then they just tank to end the year. Like I, I just consistently under Matt rule. That's what's happened. Like they've been terrible in November and December. So, you know, I could see them being like maybe a 500 team. There's some injuries in November and then the team gives up on him. And then the, the bottom falls out from under the rug. So if by the definition of competitive, does that mean like win games in the first half of the season? Sure. But if the definition of competitive is to be a wild card contender, I would say no. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I just see this being, I know people are thinking like, oh, hey, this and this. I'm just like, they need, it's just that coach factor. It's that coach factor. Maybe next year, but I drank the Panthers Kool-Aid in 21. I am not doing it again. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people I think will be overly high on them next year. After like after Rule gets fired and they get a new coach and he'll the new coach will get the buzz that Mike McDaniel's getting in Miami that Kevin O'Connell is getting in Minnesota that Doug Peterson's getting in Jacksonville there will be something like that with the Carolina roster and then people will start getting back in on them a little bit more that YWC football talk favorite Denver Broncos got after a certain coach who should have been fired two years ago <laughs> got yep. as well remember that folks who called Vic Daniel yep. getting fired after 2020 me who got fired after 2021. Vic, I also, I still, I will go down to the sentiment. Him not going for a touchdown on fourth down late in that meaningless game against the Chiefs pretty much was the nail in the coffin of his yep. job. Yep. Um, but we're going to the AFC West right now. Not too often week one, do you see games where you can look at both teams and go, okay, this is going to be a huge test right out of the gate. But this is one of those true games. There was a lot of good games in the 425 window, to be honest with you. And this is one of them. Raiders, Chargers, it's a rivalry. Um, the only thing I saw today on TikTok right before we came on was some Raiders fan trying to say that Derek Carr is on Justin Herbert's level because Carr led a weaker team to the playoffs, even though Herbert had 38 touchdowns and Carr had 24 last year. And even though Herbert threw one more pick, I think the touchdowns make up for it. And also the fact to my biggest thing this year for Chargers, for the love of God, stop the run. If you can do that, yes. this is a playoff team 100%. 2020, it was the special teams was horrendous. Last year, you couldn't stop the run to save your life. And the other thing I'll say, too, is, is that Brandon Staley needs to make more football-conscious decisions that isn't going to bite his team in the butt with, like, calling timeouts and clock management. Kind of carried over from the Anthony Lynn era. Um, but before I give my pick, I'm going to give you yours. And also, I'm going to I'm excited for this game because one of my favorite play-by-play guys of all time, Kevin Harlan, will be on the call for this one. Yep. Yeah, it's a fun game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you hit the run defense the nail on the head, like – their D-line last year was very disappointing when it came to stopping the run. And that's the big, you know, Brandon Staley, a defensive-minded coach. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you get criticized for for your job. Like, what, Brian Billick had that phrase, what gets you hired is what will get you fired. Yeah. Like, like every offensive coach the Dolphins have hired the last 20 years to fix the offense, and the offense doesn't get fixed, that's why they get fired. Same thing here. If the defense – I'm not saying Staley's in the hot seat, but I am saying if in his tenure, if the defense does not improve – and that's supposed to be his specialty, that's a very easy way to get fired. 
So it's like Mike Zimmer in uh, Minnesota. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause especially like as the defense in Minnesota got really bad the last two years, that was kind of like, okay, then why, why, why do we hire you? Like yeah. we hire you to fix that. So like, what, what's the point? Like, why do we deal with all your bullshit? If, if you're not even going to fix what you're supposed to who you're supposedly good at. So I think that this is a coin flip game as well. Instinctually, I'm going to take the three and a half. Now it's in the Chargers stadium. So it wouldn't surprise me. Like the Chargers rolled the Raiders on Monday night football in the LA stadium. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Chargers won handedly, but I think instinctively these teams are very close. This game is very close. The last time they played, uh, Herbert threw a touchdown on fourth down to send it into overtime, and the game was nearly a tie. I think every indication, and like the, the Raiders certainly got better in the offseason. They brought in Devontae Adams. They <clears throat> they traded Ngakwe, who kind of had a disappointing season for Rocky Sin. Like Crosby got resigned. Like I think both teams did a lot of good things. So I think instinctively for a division game when the teams are this close, the smart thing I think to do is just to take the points. So I'm going to predict Chargers by a field goal as the result of this game and LA Co- and Vegas covers. The only thing I'm going to say though is ever since Herbert became a Charger, the better games have been in Vegas. Like there was that week 15 yeah. Thursday night overtime, just like crazy yeah. game. Then last year there was a crazy game 272. Um, if I look over under, I, I feel like this is a game that people could get trapped and think, oh, there's going to be a lot of points scored, but it's only like a 24 to 21 kind of football game, you know, where de- the defense yeah. makes a couple of key stops down the stretch to kind of prevent the over from hitting. Um, but with this game too, I'm going the same route as you. Like I'm going with the uh, – I'm going to go with the Chargers to win, but I'm going to go with the Raiders to cover. I think it's – this is going to be a very just throwing punches kind of game. I think this is going to be one of those games where, you know what, hey – here you go. But then for the people, folks who are watching this game, but there are two other games in this time slot, I'm going to be much more paying attention to. But this game in particular, though, like I said, it's a test for both teams. I think we're going to get a real gauge at what is, is this? Oh, was Derek Carr like, was it a John Gruden thing? Was it Derek Carr finally has all the weapons so he can finally perform? Or is it going to be Justin Herbert's arrived? He's here. He's that true top five quarterback that everyone's been pegging him to be all offseason, which I still think he is. And like, and also too, I'm going to say this right now. If you pick the Chargers as your dark horse Super Bowl team, or Herbert as a dark horse MVP candidate, I don't think it's a legit thing, just because he's rightfully so in that conversation. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest with you. This is my survival upset pick of the week. Yeah, there's something. One. There is something in me. I know I'm a, I'm a huge Daniel Jones uh, criticism. September 24th, me and this guy will be back, maybe for the last time ever, unfortunately. But I look at this game, I'm just like, okay, we've been writing off the Titans all offseason. They haven't gotten better. They've gotten worse, the Harold Landry injury included. Everyone's kind of excited to be like, oh, what's the Brian Dayball team going to look like? Even though I, I also say that they're still doomed for failure this year because you've got all the crap that was following you from the last regime to clean up. And until it's cleaned up, I don't think they can make that next step. But I look at a spot like this, and I remember last year, week four, Saints-Giants. I was on the Saints so hard. But who had one of his best games of his career was Daniel Jones. Saints won in overtime. Giants won in overtime. Giants won in overtime, excuse me. Give me the Giants. Give me – I don't know about the – I you know what? Give me the Giants and give me their points. Give me the Giants a plus five and a half and to win this game. But I'm going to say this right now. Very boring football game. But Giants always are that weird team that they win when they do not expect anyone – to have them win. I know it's yeah, a tongue twister, but you get what I mean. Yeah, and Titans lost week one last year to Arizona. You know, Traylon, I'm, I'm a Traylon Burks. They got week one. They got destroyed. And and their offensive line is arguably worse now. They lost Roger Saffold in the offseason. And yep. so I, 
I'm a Traylon Burks believer, but I'm not sure if you're going to see it in week one. I know we saw it with Jamar Chase in week one last year after Chase had kind of an up and down preseason. But Burks, we forget also Justin Jefferson the year before that. He didn't even start until week three. And then week three, he had like a 150-yard game, but he didn't start the first two weeks of the season. So it could be a situation where the Titans, their their case for getting back to winning the division is Traylon Burks can replace what A.J. Brown had. And that could happen in December. I do not see it happening in week one. And because of that, I think the Giants have the advantage here. I'm with you. Giants, points, outright. You're here first. I think it's the first time in the show's history the Giants have been picked by both posts or multiple people to win. The Daniel Jones people. Yeah. You see this over under? Take that damn over. I'm saying that right now. Take that damn over, people. Take it. You see it right here. Minnesota, Green Bay, 46 and a half. I've been saying this for weeks. You heard me say it with Mikey over just a couple of weeks ago, okay? You heard me say it. You heard me say it. Take the damn over. I'm saying this right now to Kevin O'Connell is my pick for coach of the year right now. Why? Because Big Rat will attest to this when he gets back. Coach of the year always goes to the coach that always overachieves. Now, I'm not saying overachieve in the sense of Minnesota Vikings are going to be in Phoenix representing the NFC to the Super Bowl. No, I'm just saying they're probably going to be a playoff team. We're finally going to see Kirk Cousins unload. Um, if you want a dark horse MVP candidate, go with Kirk Cousins. If you want someone for a betting value, I believe it's plus 5,000 or something crazy like that. I know the odds are really high for him. But this is a year you could truly see Justin Jefferson establish himself as a wide receiver one. And I know he's a good receiver before, but where he is in that, he is already at that tier. That's just like, you know, putting your mark on that tier. Um, I think this is a game that just goes back and forth. Remember last year, too, when it was Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers in U.S. Bank Stadium? It was a shootout, too. This is a game where, like like we were saying before, week one, you're getting a feel for each other, but you have that familiarity with each other. So I think both defenses are going to be tested by both quarterbacks, especially Kevin O'Connell unleashing his offensive prowess with everything being said. Um, but, yeah, so Big Rap, basically, while you are gone, I was saying this. You see this over, you take it and run. Yes, I was also saying as well, if I had to pick coach of the year right now, I'm going Kevin O'Connell. Because like you said, you always go with a coach of a team that overachieves or doesn't make the playoffs from the year before, but makes the playoffs the first year of their head coach. And also, if you want a dark horse MVP candidate, I think this is a chance that Kurt can really leap. I'm not saying he's going to be like anything spectacular, but have like, what's stopping him from having a Ryan Tannehill 2019? Yeah, and, and the, 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 the playoff thing makes a lot of sense because – the Vikings have always been a very competitive team. You know, even this past year, they were very much in that race until they kind of filtered down the stretch in December. Um, I won't be getting on the MVP train, but I do get on dark the train. Horse, dark that, horse. Yes, I got you. I, I, I understand. Value pick. It's playing the odds, playing the odds. I know. Yes. I do I do like the odds of Kevin O'Connell uh, turning around the, the team a little bit. You're getting a lot more buzz that they're going to go to more three wide receiver sets. You're getting – a little more buzz that KJ Osborne and I'm biased, obviously, but KJ Osborne went to university of Miami and it doesn't surprise me at all that he's grown in the NFL because in Miami, he was, he was made like a team captain, like five months into his tenure on the hurricanes. He was a transfer. And when they had their ACC media call in July, where they send representatives for each team to the ACC conference, the Canes sent Shaq Quarterman who was their leader of the defense, their linebacker that had been there for four years, like the heart and soul of the team. 
And the representative of the offense was K.J. Osborne, even though he had only been there for like a few months, because that's how quickly he won everybody over with his work ethic and his determination. So that strikes me as the kind of guy that would be a fifth round pick and then grow into an NFL starting receiver. And I think he's going to make a difference. I think he's genuinely good at football. And I think the combination of him, Jefferson Thielen is a really good trio. So for the game, it's close. It's hard to pick against Rodgers. The Vikings always play them tough. I forgot. Someone showed me a stat that the, the Rodgers has only swept the Vikings like once in the last six years or something like that. I think it was the 2019 season, which ironically enough was the year the Vikings made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. But other than that, the Vikings either sweep them or steal one, including both MVP years. So for that reason, it's kind of get kind of antsy, you know, taking the Packers on one and a half here. Uh, I would probably just avoid the game. It seems like either team is going to win by three points uh, and it's hard to really predict which one it's going to be. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of stay away. But anyone who wants to take a Vikings here, I, I I can't blame you. I can easily understand why. Oh, I'm taking the Packers to win the game, but I'm taking that over. That's what I'm saying. That over is just – it's juicy. It's just it's, – it's it's good. It's like you, you yeah. can't avoid it. That's all. Yeah. The the game last year I think was 34 to 31 or some, something like that, which would have smashed this over. Yeah, it, it's very easy to see why. And then week 17, Kirk Cousins got COVID and we got Sean Mannion, which we – Sean Mannion, Sean Mannion. So a little different there. But that's, that game last year was just fireworks. Which and now, is and now, now it would be Nick Mullins. So you'd actually probably get, you know, a little bit more offensive production than Mannion, I would think. Exactly. That's like this next game. Same thing as fireworks. Ah, uh, this is fireworks. This is, this is, it's the same look thing at that, too. Look at that total. 54 points. Jesus. I, I just think like you see the Kansas City defense where you're like, okay, what are you? You see the Arizona defense. You're like the corner games, but also not the corner game. But they're off the defensive lines. A little thing. Um, you got Kyler. You got Patrick Mahomes. Give me some Big Twelve football. Give me absolutely no defense here. Remember week one yeah. last year too, Kansas City versus Cleveland. That was a shootout. Yeah, and I know five and a half is a lot of points to lay, and I know we've talked about often on the show how the Chiefs don't often cover when they get these bigger spreads, especially on the road. But I'm just not a Cardinals guy this year. I think they take a step back. I think they got worse in the offseason as well. And I think that, you know, like losing losing Chandler Jones was significant. J.J. Watt has had a lot of injury problems the last few years. I don't know if you can really rely on him to stay healthy for the full season, which they're probably going to need. Hurt the, and, and Hopkins is still not going to be in this game. So I just think the Cardinals are going to struggle early on in the season, even though it's usually the reverse with Cliff. Usually with Cliff, he overachieves early on, and then they kind of fade down the stretch. That's literally three straight years that's been the pattern with the Cardinals. Uh, but even despite that, I just think the Chiefs are too good. I think – I thought I saw someone on a podcast compare Mahomes this year to Drew Brees, where maybe the target share is going to be very spread out. Maybe the solution is not – one person's going to replace Tyreek Hill and he's going to feed Travis Kelsey a lot. Maybe the solution is to know Tyreek. You throw it to Kelsey, you throw it to Juju, you throw it to MBS, you throw it to Sky Moore, you throw it to Michael Hardman. Maybe everybody gets to eat a little bit. And it would be annoying for, that would be really annoying for fantasy managers of any of those receivers, I understand. But I think that speculation makes a lot of sense. I think Mahomes is obviously good enough to do that. So maybe that's the future of Kansas City. Uh, more spread out attack. You know, my thing with Kansas City, too, is I feel like if they win, and I'm going to take them against the spread, too, just because, yeah. like we said, I, look, the Cardinals have always been kind of sweet on, but I just look at them this year, and I look at them like the 2020 Vikings, where Kime and Kingsbury got their extensions, but then we know they're not going to get fired because it will look horrible on Michael Bidwell if 
he fires them after giving them these huge extensions. So if they do struggle, it's not a shock. But Kansas City Monday morning, if they wipe the floor with Arizona or if they beat them, like, you know, convincingly, everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes, he's this, he's this, he's this. Yeah. Where all along, everyone is literally like, hey, what's going on? So with and, that being said, and I'm, I would also just, yeah, and I, I before we go to the next game, I'll just add very quickly: if that happens, and if my Dolphins lose, which we'll talk about later, you're just gonna have so many people being like, oh, "I guess Tyreek Hill wasn't all that important after all." Not denying that he is an excellent player, I'm not saying that's what people will say. They will say that the Chiefs can get by without him, and I'm not so. Even if the Chiefs put up 30 in this game, I'm still not so sure that's true. I still think there's gonna be games this year where the Chiefs' offense is not gonna be what you remembered it being without Tyreek Hill. So. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm going to quickly run through the Sunday night game and the Monday night game just because we want to get to our game and give that the most time. Yeah, give me Dallas Cowboys plus two and a half right here. I think this is a spot where you know Tom Brady loses Week One. It causes that should Tom to come back. Is his off or his off field issues really a big thing? Is it this? Is it that? I just see this and I'm like. Dallas plus two and a half is something that I've looked at for a while. And I'm like, I think the Cowboys could the Cowboys can win this game. I agree. I think we could just copy, like not just because I want to spend more time on our game, but also it's the arguments are very similar to what they were for last year's game. It's yeah. like, yeah, like these are similar teams. This game is now in Dallas. It's not in Tampa. It looks like Godwin's going to play. He was, he fully practiced today. I don't which think is he's 100% yet. That, that's the thing. Like when he says on a podcast, you know, it's a feel thing. We'll see how it goes. Like, we'll see how I'm feeling out there. That's a little concerning to me. That's kind of like, man, like you're not 100% confident in the knee just yet. You know, so I would, I don't think he's going to be 100%. He could be on a pitch count. It could be a situation where he plays, doesn't play the whole game. They really shouldn't rush him. They don't need to. I think uh, the Bucks' offensive line uh, has taken a lot of lumps this offseason with all the injuries, with Ali Marpet retiring, with Jensen getting hurt, with um, uh, Worse has been had like an oblique strain or whatever it was. So Aaron's been done for the year. Yeah, so you can totally see the Bucks whole line struggling. I just don't know if the Cowboys D line without Randy Gregory, even though they have a lot of guys at the D tackle spot that they apparently really like, that they apparently think could take a step forward this year. Um, I don't know if this is the D line to take advantage of it. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, I mean. Cowboys plus two and a half at home. I think people are, I think are overreacting a little too much to a Cowboys regression. Yes. They had a lot of turnovers last year. That will probably regress this year, but look, they lost to Mark Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory. It's not the end of the world. There's still a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball and, and Tyron Smith, of course, but it's not like their offense is going to struggle to move the ball. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. So yeah, I think the Cowboys will be fine. Cowboys Connor Williams fine. as well. Yeah. 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 Fair, yeah fair, fair. Your team, but no, so it's, it's still a lot. So it's going to be, I feel like people think that over is there, but I feel like because of the offensive line issues on both sides of the ball, you can see a world where this game is a little bit slower than people think. You know, those games yeah. where it's like, this game's going to be great, this game's going to be this. But like mid-20s, yeah, like 24-20 or, you know, 27-20, you know, which would not go over this number. So, yeah, I, I can see that. Exactly. And then finally, Monday night, we have the return. But do you remember last year everyone was saying that Brady's going to go into New England, he's going to wipe the floor of the Patriots, and he didn't? Yeah. I know Seattle's not supposed to be a good team, but I can see the exact same thing happening here. I'm not saying Seattle's going to win the game. Call me crazy, but I can see this being a very, very slow game. It's still a new system for Russ. And at the same time, too, Seattle's – Pete Carroll's going to scheme very well for him because guess who had a nine-year relationship with each other but these two? So I'm going to say this. Denver wins. Seattle covers six and a half. 
Yeah, the Bucks Patriots is such a great example because, like, it's prime time too. Like, that stadium is going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Like, the Seahawks are going to get up for this game. Uh, it would not surprise me at all to see the Seahawks win outright. Would not be surprised at all. I think six and a half is a very good bet. You know, I think that's a pretty safe thing to rely on. You know, the the Bucks, the year they won the Super Bowl, week one, Brady and that offense still weren't kind of on the same page. And so it could be a situation similar to that where, now granted, they didn't have a training camp and the Broncos did. So, it, I mean, they had a training camp. They didn't have a preseason. Yeah. Um, so, But I think it could be similar where the Broncos offense is maybe not 100% clicking on all cylinders right away, especially in a tough environment against a team that's going to scheme against Russ very well. So, yeah, I think plus six and a half is one of the better values on the board we've talked about today. Uh, I would not – yeah, fuck it. I'll just say Seahawks went out right. Why not? Like, I, it's more fun that way. Like, I, it's a, I think it's going to be a field goal game either way. Uh, so I love Seahawks on the spread, but I'll pick them to win outright because why not? They got to win some games, and I think this is a game they could win. Exactly. And before we get to our game quickly, folks, I'm just going to switch shift to college football for a second because there's a bet that I love this weekend, and it's right here. Texas, Alabama, over 60 and a half points. I know Alabama wiped the floor with Utah State last week, and so did Texas against U- University of Louisiana Monroe. So in Miami against Bethune-Cook. Yes, but this game right here is going to be fireworks in that noon slot. Yeah, I think Texas, even if Texas is down by 27, uh, they're going to keep throwing. I think Quinn Ewers needs the reps. He, it's going to be good experience for him. This is only his second ever start um, against the Alabama defense and the Alabama backups, like when they're getting blown out later in the game. So I do think there's going to be a lot of points. I think Bama's probably going to score 40, and I think it's very easy to see Texas scoring more than 20. So, yeah, I think the over is a very good bet. Yeah. Now the reason why you all came here. Miami, New uh, England, practicing this week at Palm. Uh, yeah, fuck's it called? Palm Beach Atlantic it's, University. Yeah, yeah, it's a D two school for those that don't know, a Division two school in Florida. And for everybody saying that, oh, Miami is so it's like oh the guys get this you know the South Beach flu. This university is an hour and a half away from South Beach, yeah. and it's also an hour and a half away from Hard Rock Stadium. So I like the fact that the Patriots are there a week ahead. I do also too, folks, just quickly for this game, besides the spread of the over-under you see on the screen, which is at my New England's plus three and a half and a 46 over-under. John Hussey is the referee for this game. I pay attention to that for the Patriots and the Patriots only. Give me, I think this is gonna be this is a game that I feel like should be more nationally recognized in that one o'clock slot because you know b- both ways. Oh, two it cost Miami the game, or Oh, the Belichick thing's not working out. This game, I think, honestly, is going to get the most overreactions, no matter what, just oh, yeah. because of how both teams have been talked about this offseason. I don't even – the gambling, the over-under aside, I know that's a thing now. This is a game of football where – I can see a very similar game to what we saw in 2018, minus the ending, though. Minus the ending. Very back and forth game. I agree. I'm I'm nervous about this one because it, it just it just seems like a lot of the all the pressure is on the Dolphins, you know? Like the Patriots have been told how terrible they are for weeks. The offense doesn't work, the outside zone scheme doesn't work, like they look so bad. And meanwhile the Dolphins have looked so good and they have all this hype and they have all these expectations with Tyree Kill and really taking a step forward. The game is in Miami. It's one thing if it was in New England, yeah. but like the Patriots can go into this game very relaxed. Like, oh, we're supposed to lose this game, you know? Like, let's just go out there and steal this one. Whereas the Dolphins, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It's like, this is the game they have to win. Like, if they want to make the playoffs this year, they cannot lose this game. This is a home division game. If they lose this game, they're going to have to make it up by winning at Foxborough, 
which I know they did last year, but it required a fumble like very late in the game. It was a one point victory. It's not. And also they won in Foxborough in September. Um, this time it'd be in December, you know, so it'd be a, a little hard though. The weather element advantage would reverse yep. itself. So yeah, like I, I said on the pod with you guys last week, the Dolphins have to win their games against all the bad teams and they have to take care of business in every single home division game. And so there's just a lot of pressure. I think like the Dolphins kind of have to win this game. The Patriots don't. The Patriots can lose this game. Season's not over. They got swept by the Dolphins last year and still made the playoffs. Like plenty of season ahead. Whereas if the Dolphins lose this game, you're then looking at at Baltimore, home to Buffalo, and then at then you have at Cincinnati in that primetime slot right there. Um, and oh. and so and so and so like with that with that issue, you know. At, yeah, what did I say? At Baltimore. Sorry, I got cut off there. At Baltimore. At Baltimore. Home, home to Buffalo. At Bengals. On the yeah, Thursday like, night slot, too. Yeah, that would that would present uh, a lot of problems. That would present a lot of problems because then you're going to have to find which game can they steal. And they're going to be underdogs in all three of those games. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure they won't go 0-3, but, like, no one's going to pick them in any of those games. 2-2 so, seems like a worst-case scenario for the Dolphins. So, yeah, the Dolphins have to win this game. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress. I'm going to pick them to win. They're probably going to win by three or four points. So the spread, I have no clue. Like, they could cover. They cannot cover. I have no idea. I think it's going to be different than what people expect. I don't think it's going to be Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. I think it's going to be the running game. I think it's going to be Mostert getting that outside zone with his speed, maybe outrunning some of those Patriots linebackers and taking advantage of that. And I think Kaseki could have a big game. I think Belichick is going to do what he can to limit Tyree Kill, limit Jalen Waddle. He's done pretty well against Tyree Kill historically against the Chiefs, like with McCourty, like shadowing over him on a lot of Tyreek's routes. So I think it's going to be run game and Gusecki. I don't think it's going to be Tyreek and Waddle. And that's why I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. So the under might be a good play. And I think the Dolphins win like 23-20. You know what? I'm I'm in that same boat. I I'm going Miami to win. I just think it's gonna be that game. And honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you. I like the fact that people are doubting the Patriots because that's. You, I know people like to say the whole like oh the Brady Belichick arguments. I I just having no pressure on your shoulders is actually kind of a good thing in the NFL. It's it's not the worst thing in the world where you can kind of like you know what hey like if like you said if the Patriots lose Week One. Sure, does it make winning week two a little more important? Yes, but at the same time, too, I've always looked at that week two game and I say that's a dub against the Steelers because I think that's a Steelers letdown spot. And Belichick has a good rep at Heinz Field. Meanwhile, with this game, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think, I think a lot of the stuff's going to go away. I think a lot of people are going to be on that whole, you know what, hey, maybe what's going on, it's weird, but it works. It's like one of those things where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I completely agree with you where I can see this being a run game dominant by Miami. That's something that Miami's actually utilized in the Brian Flores era. I remember the 2020 game yeah. in Miami. Salman Ahmed. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yard. Yeah, he was the Dolphins first hundred yard rusher that year. And then Mike Gusecki in both games last year was utilized heavily against the Patriots yeah. as well. So I can see both of those being big factors as well for this. Um, but from a betting standpoint, I can see like a 24 to like not 24 to 17, like a 24 to 20 kind of game. I think yeah. this is going to be an under game. Like how last year's game was very slow. And then yeah. I, there's a part of me that just sees a very unfortunate world where new England either does something offensively. Like they have a big third down, like they don't convert. Or there's just a play where like how, do you remember the Colts Patriots game week 15 last year, how it was like a three point game. Yeah, then, and then Jonathan Taylor, yeah, had that touchdown. Just yeah. changed Jonathan Taylor to a Tyreek Hill pass. 
Or there's an alternate universe where the Patriots win because it's 45 seconds left. Dolphins have the ball at like their 50 yard line. It's like four and 13 and Tua overthrows Tyre underthrows Tyreek Hill. I think it's going to be one of those two things, but I'm going to lean towards like, you know, give me Raheem Mostert for having a pretty good game on Sunday. Yeah, actually, I give, me a, give I, me a Mostert game. Yeah. Most people in Miami, like this may not be recognized nationally. I know Chase Edmonds gets all the attention. Most people in Miami think Mostert is going to be their better runner. Like Edmonds will be better as a pass catcher, but most people think Mostert will be a better runner. He just probably won't stay healthy. That's and what so, I was say. Yeah, and then so, but it's week one. That's the fun of it. Like he's healthy now. He may not be healthy a month from now. He's healthy now. That's fine. That's all. All they need him for is this week, this game. And yes. I think a, tr- I think a mistake from Belichick, and I don't think he'll do this, but a mistake anyone against the Dolphins, they might think okay, Tua doesn't throw deep. I know they have Tyreek Hill and Waddle, so let's play single high coverage and dare him to beat us down the field. Do not do that, because it does not matter how good Tua is. Tyreek Hill is too good. He's like yep. Randy Moss. He'll come back to the ball. He'll burn his guys. He'll adjust to the ball. Like You just can't do that. So I don't think no coordinator should ever do that plan. Do the safe thing. Play two high safeties. Dare us to beat you with the run game and with Gusecki, because Gusecki's not going to take a pass to the house. Gusecki's going to get a first down and then fall down. So yep. I think that... I'm guessing that's what they'll do. They'll try to let Mostert and Gasecki beat them and not Hill and Waddle. And I think they're just good enough to do that. So I'm and with also, you. Field game. And also I'm going to say this too quickly before we wrap up. If you want a Patriot to have a big game, I'm still looking at Ramondre Stevenson. That's who I am looking at to have a big game on Sunday because he is going to be that third down running back that's going to be utilized heavily in the past game. He's going to be that new James White Chamberine hybrid where he can run the ball and he can catch it as well be fun i'm looking forward to it friend and you know it's going to be stressful for me uh i'm sure it'll be stressful for you too it's just a little bit easier for you it's like i don't think it has the stakes that it does for for us um if you win it's like that's free money like you just stole a game on the road like that makes your guys playoff round a lot easier yeah it does it does i'm gonna say this though i hate stressing but god damn it i love it because i'm a fucking sicko and we're back that's it's fun that we're back. You know, it's fun that the games are back. It's, it's, it's bliss. Chef's kiss. That's the name of this episode. I was going to call it, I'm calling it chef's kiss. That's the name of this episode, but that's going to do it for us here, folks. It's been episode 178. If you excuse big Rod and I, who I hope had fun all out. We didn't even get to talk about that. We're going to go watch all the drama from AEW's all out unfold. Enjoy week one, bet responsibly. If you do folks, football's here, baby. Enjoy it while it lasts. Peace out. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. 
On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, SayTheDamnScore.com.